0: Welcome to Bayer CropCast with Matt Willis and Craig White, your technical field representatives in Western Australia. In this CropCast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We're passionate about agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer CropCast.
1: Well, g'day Matt, it's Bayer CropCast for 2018. How are you today, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Whitey, down in Katanning at the moment, just catching up with a few of the the, the rest of the Bayer team and... Uh yeah, just uh, enjoying the, the cooler weather after being up north earlier on and uh, a little bit warmer up there at the moment.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And down here in Catanning this week, it's been great to catch up with everyone and show a few more of our trials and get around the place. And uh,
1: Yeah, certainly seeing some pretty solid results with uh, some of the Sakura treatments. Sakura Avidex is probably the best in show of the commercially available options out there at the moment from my counts. And the early post-immersion um, applications have done pretty well this year too with the way the season worked out. Um, but uh, you've still got yours to do yet, Whitey?
0: Yeah, I certainly have, um, really showing up now, uh, the, really spreading out the differences between the treatments in all the trials and, in, and even indeed in paddocks, Matt, seeing... You know, some of the options that have been tried this year, some of the, the lower cost options really letting go and a lot of ryegrass heads now mm. showing and, and also wild oats and other things. Um, we we're running around up uh, looking at some disease trials and things and seeing a lot of uh, sow thistle also popping its head out. So that's mm. a little bit concerning just given how windborne the seeds are from that sow or milk thistle stuff. So, mm. you know, got to keep an eye on that. But yet we'll be pulling all this data together and I suppose that's something we've got coming up in the next couple of months this is a lot of updates
1: yes and uh, it, it, there's a good spread of data this year or so you can, there's obviously a combination of resistance developing with some products uh, trifleural resistance is one thing that's people have to keep a close eye on now with a lot of survivors coming through, in some cases these uh, survivors coming through treff might be due to conditions, obviously a lot of uh, crops put in dry this year has meant that trifleuralin has volatised uh, as it's been sitting in the soil there and in some cases uh, we've lost uh, over 50% of active before the um, weeds are even coming out of the ground and uh, so that could just purely be the physical aspects restricting the, the truffle Performance, but there is some cases where there's suspected trifluralin resistance. And so, you know, I know I've got a trial where there's, um, oh, there's some terrible control from the trifluralin, so we, we, we're, we're definitely thinking there's some resistance going on. So, we've, we've already taken some ryegrass panicles and uh, they'll be sent off to Peter Bazalas to do some uh, tests to make sure and to, to, to know whether there's an issue. And if there is, we can uh, act on it next year. Yeah, and, and I, uh, on that topic of resistance testing,
0: so testing seeds, you can collect those now coming up to harvest, a um, good time to do that is when you're going into the paddock to inspect it or whatever. And uh, I recently caught up with Peter Batzales from Plant Science Consulting over in Adelaide and uh, we spoke about how you actually go about doing a resistance test and we'll um, hear a little bit of audio from Peter right now. And joining me now is Dr. Peter Batzales from Plant Science Consulting in Adelaide. How are you today, Peter? Oh, really well. Having a
2: great day today.
0: Excellent. Great, Peter. Well, you know, harvest time's a time when we will start to see what herbicides worked and what didn't. You know, we're probably aware of that a little bit, but as the growers and listeners out there get into the cab of their headers, they'll go, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. So before you actually get to that situation, it's a really good time to collect weed seeds for resistance testing. So, Peter, you know, can you talk a little bit about why would a grower, an advisor, why on earth would they want to spend their money on resistance testing? I go to the effort, it's hot and, yep. and, and bothersome out there, but uh, just talk a little bit about why it's
2: worth doing. Yeah, resistance testing is, is involves collecting weed seeds prior to harvest or after harvest or from your grain, contaminated grain. And it's really about where the growers want, want to risk 350 to $450 to do a complete resistance test to avoid a crop failure in the following season. So for that amount of money, is a grower willing to use a herbicide, have a complete failure, where he could have just chosen another herbicide that a simple test would have um, identified, and he would have had excellent control. So it's really about, it gets as simple as that really. Yeah, I mean, you could even
0: write off things that could still be working if you don't actually check. That's right, spot on so really important so peter i suppose you know how do you do resistance testing when's a good time to collect those seeds and just paint a bit of a picture of how you do it
2: yeah weed seed collecting weed seeds so they can be collected when you're first inspecting paddocks so going to see when you're going to start harvesting if the weeds have started to mature starting to change color they can be collected at that point a few handfuls of seed like two couple handfuls of rye grass is sufficient or wild wild radish an ice cream container full of wild radish or wild oats is sufficient seed and it can be just you know grab it throw it in the in the ute on the ground and when you get back home just put it in a paper bag not plastic bag and send that through to us so what we will do when we receive the sample that you send us we will clean that seed out and break dormancy now these weed seeds do not germinate during summer so we have to trick them into germinating over summer so we can conduct the resistance tests and feedback the answer by you know late summer early autumn so you guys can start planning your, what you're going to do for that season yeah so about three three months or so you yep. get that result yep. back ready so for next season that's right so we have yep. to yeah just wait for dormancy to to well we we do break the dormancy so we've got a few tricks for the main weeds we can break dormancy very easily for wild oats Rye grass is quite easy and wild radish is very easy. We can break dorms, a lot of mucking around, but it works well.
0: Yep, so you've got those methods worked out and when you receive the seeds, it's all uh, up to the labs there. Um, and then you come out with a result, nice report at the end of it, um, to help make decisions for the next cropping
2: season. Yep, helps the agronomist uh, when you've got those um, meetings at around autumn time, planning meetings around the kitchen table, it makes it so much easier if you can tick off which herbicides are going to work which herbicides are not going to work and then you just tailor, tailor the herbicides that are going to be effective and at Bayer, we've been offering uh, some resistance
0: testing kits so there are an envelope with where you can fill in all the details you send them through to you peter and what we've been finding with those is that uh, when we collect those anonymously um, reporting that back in a certain region it's really powerful for grower groups for example to actually see what's going on in their own area Yep. and hopefully that will spur them on to do their own testing and if they miss the uh, seed testing period then there is also the opportunity for quick testing, green plants later in, yep. or in the new season. That's right. Um, but weed seed testing obviously can be the most comprehensive because you can get the pre-emergence
2: and the post-emergence. Yeah, so that's right isn't it? That's the beauty of, the, of, the, um, seed, of seed testing is you can do all the pre-emergent herbicides and so you can identify if you've got any resistance to pre-emergent herbicides uh, creeping in. we can they're, they're, it's quite a sensitive test, so we can detect for low levels of resistance to preems, whereas with the, the quick test, the whole plant test, we can test for most preems if they're like two to three leaf, but once they get older, they just don't work. The preems yep. don't work, so we have to rely only on post-ems. post-ems, yep,
0: gotcha. And um, if people want to find out more information. Uh, what's your
2: website address Peter? So the website is plantscienceconsulting.com.au So if you type in Plant Science Consulting in Google, you, it'll, it's the first one that comes up.
0: Excellent. And at the Bayer website, we've got a link through to that and a nice little video there of Peter showing it. So if you want to have another look, you'll get the um, inside scoop on what Peter's doing and exactly what happens when they get to his laboratory. So get yep. on there and send some seeds through. Yep, And, and make sure that your herbicides work. Absolutely. You don't want to chuck ones out that are still working and you also don't want to make a mistake and use one that, that isn't.
2: That's right. It's always assuming always assuming that, you know, you've got nothing else is working and you're using um, you know, your, your box of gold, is over relying on a box of gold and securers. You don't want to put undue selection pressure on them. You have to include them in the rotation. But you know, you might have axial controlling ryegrass in your paddock. You never know. You may have intervix Assuming that you have, you Intervix doesn't work where it does. You just have to be aware. You can find subtle differences between increasing rates of clathrim. You may have 350 um, mils of clethodim not working, but 500 mils working. We can test for these. Glyphosate. Glyphosate's a classic one, where you know you can have resistance to beginning of resistance to a liter of glyphosate, but as you increase the two lit- to two th- 1.5 liters, even three liters you can get complete control. So having that information allows you to then tailor your, your rates as well, um, with with uh, and, and achieve the best control. Great. And this is not
0: just in broadacre crops, any weed as long as you can collect seeds, so vineyards, trees, absolutely even vegetable crops. Um, Bale, we've offered some some kits there. So if you're listening and you're not from Broadacre in another segment, if you can get seeds off it then have a talk to your Bayer representative or have a get in touch with Peter and get them tested. That's right. And you can do any,
2: any weed species, even if it's a new weed that's never been tested? Any weed species, and if it's not on my website, when you go to register it, if it's not on my website, then just let me know and I'll put it on the website. So every, every year I'm adding more and more weed species, and there are some very yeah, rare ones on there at the current time. Fantastic. And just one more time your website is? Plantscienceconsulting.com.au. And the Bayer one
0: is Mix It Up. .com.au. So have a look at that. Mixitup.com.au. Thanks, Peter. No worries. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little piece uh, from Peter Batzalis giving you some good insights into how to do a resistance test and what actually happens when your seeds turn up at his laboratory in Adelaide and uh, how important it is to, to do this because as Matt said, you know, um, we need to know: was it just a, a symptom of the of the season um, that made your weed control outcome that way, or is there indeed something else going on in behind the seeds so don't forget get your seeds tested and remember Bayer also has a great uh, website to actually map all of that out so you can see around Australia around the country how much resistance there actually is and uh, yeah contribute to that uh,
1: data set as well. Yeah and information is key so if you know you've got an issue you can act on it otherwise you're going in blind next year and there's been plenty of cases where guys will Oh, they'll, they'll notice an issue throughout the year and then they'll notice it again at harvest and just ignore it out of sight, out of mind and then before you know it the next year it's it's ten times as bad. So finding out, just confirming any suspicions and then once you've got the information being able to act on it. Yeah.
0: That's absolutely right. So, Matt, we said we were down in Catanning having this meeting and and getting around looking at some trial work and things like that. One of the really interesting things we did, we went out to the Catanning sale yards, livestock sale yards out there and and had uh, tea the other night or dinner and it was fantastic. The um, little canteen did a really, really good job and, Matt, i just got some facts here. yeah, it's. A, what do you reckon about the sale yards from what you could see, anyway? Not bloody
1: big. There's it's A huge a hive of activity there. There's bloody, uh, bloody. Yeah, it's, it's probably not too much, it's Not. I'm not used to as much there. livestock focus up north. So down here, it's it's very interesting seeing the That's the great. numbers and interest and, the, and yeah. the the passion of the community.
0: Incredible. And uh, look, that sale, those sale yards down here opened in May 2014. And it's has uh, over a thousand selling pens all under one roof, which is around 44,000 square metres, or 4.4 hectares, or even 10 acres under cover, which is just fantastic. And it's the only sheep yard in Australia, a livestock selling yard that actually has its own uh, water supply and every pen that the sheep are in has its own water supply so that was a pretty amazing fact i didn't know and um, you know they're, they're capable of selling um one and a half million sheep per year from those sale yards and the capacity at any one time is um, around forty thousand sheep so that's a lot of barring yeah, a lot sure of wool is. a lot yeah. of mouths to feed a few lamb chops there absolutely so yeah fantastic so well done to the containing sow yards and uh, we had a great evening we were actually so impressed we went back out there for breakfast the next morning <laughs> yeah it's great Um, cool so we're at Katanning, but uh, yourself uh, myself and our boss we headed up to Meriden to have a look at some Evergo Energy and uh, other crown rot trials and things at Meriden. Yeah, you know?
1: I was having a, a chat with Daniel Herberle the other day and he uh, mentioned he had some good trials up there and he was bringing Stephen Symphendorfer from the Department of Primary Industries in New South Wales along. Uh, he'd flown across for it. He's the guru when it comes to crown rot and other soil pathogens Australia-wide. So he was uh, coming across and so we met up, caught up with him and Greg Shea and Kylie Chambers and um, went up and had a f- look at a few trials up there. Yeah, they've got some fantastic
0: work going on, Matt, and, um, you know, it's part of a national program that they're doing, and, you know, Bayer's also doing a lot of work in this space as well, and some great results. and things which we'll be reporting and talking to agronomy and cons- agronomists and consultants about in the next few
1: months as mm. well and certainly we've had it we've got our own trials running this year mm. and we'll be making sure to present all that information to all the consultants and growers uh, as the next season comes along but um we'll certainly be working with uh people in industry such as the guys at the ag department and con- combining data sets and and hopefully uh bringing some good results forward uh showing off uh, avigal and angie uh, i know that i've um uh, a couple of our trials, we got up north looking at loose mutt in Bali and um, Abigail Energy's uh, uh, looking found was definitely def- best in field when it comes to um, a loose mutt in Bali. Uh, it's now commercially available now. We had our I think mm. the first sale went through in Brookton. Yeah. already. so uh, fully registered, ready, available for sale, and you know, the pricing's out there. I think, uh
0: Yeah, it starts at uh, it's fifty-four dollars fifty per liter, and seventy kilos seeding rate. Um, you know, it works out just under two dollars fifty for the smut rate, and you know, five and ten dollars to start getting that root disease protection in there as well.
1: Mm, yeah. So with the loose smut, probably the hardest of the, of the smuts to control, you probably want to start at the one thirty rate. With uh for loose muts, that's about five dollars a hectare at yep. seventy kilo sitting rate and we're seeing some top Oh, we've, we've seen upwards of 95 to 98% control of loose mutt with that rate of Evergold energy um, in the field. Um, that's also making sure that you've also got good coverage on the seeds and make, uh, making sure your, your seed's clean. We are, we've seen plenty of work done showing if you're applying to dusty seed, you're really pulling back your performance by 20%, 30% and making sure that uh, you're getting really good coverage over the seed to make sure that each seed's got the product on it to, uh, really pull back your uh, loose-mutt numbers. Um, also still seeing some really good biomass differences out there with uh, from Rhizoctonia, in, particularly in Bali. I know I've got a few up in mind, but I yeah, saw one of your trials uh, out near west of up um, and it's um, very visual there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like the, uh, the That's looked amazing all year, the Rhizoctonia suppression coming from Evergold Energy, it's just been amazing and everyone that's been through that site's had a good look. So we'll report on that and, yeah, just sort of still waiting to see what the effect of the crown rot um, in that situation will be and what whiteheads will come up. So at Meriden, we saw a lot of whiteheads from crown rot and um, that basal browning beginning and yeah, it'll start to show down here in the southern regions as we start to dry out now coming up towards harvest, Matt.
1: Mm, indeed. Yeah, so it was a great
0: trip up to Meriden, and gee, we saw a lot of reptiles on the road.
1: Oh, so ones and dead ones, but yeah. they're, they're
0: out in force as, as the weather's heating up. Yeah, for sure. So, Matt, uh, I've got a question for you, mate. There's been a few earthquakes down south um, lately, down around Lake Muir, and rattling around even through where I live or whatever. And, uh, mate, I've got a question for you. I found this fact. I didn't know this, but do you reckon snakes could help predict these earthquakes?
1: Well, well I've heard rumours that snakes could... Uh, could, uh, could Somehow know it's coming and go into hiding. I don't know what. What, yeah, what do you, what do you a, got for me, Waddy? The snakes and earthquakes, mate. Well, apparently snakes can. They can sense an
0: earthquake from about up to 120 kilometres away and even up to five days before. Mm. But what I just don't get is, even if they could, how are they going to tell us that?
1: Yeah, what are they going to do about it? Either It's, how they going to they warn it? it's not like they can slither away. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: So snakes and earthquakes, apparently they can detect them, but I'm not sure how we make that connection and uh, mm. get them to tell us that something bad might be coming. Yep. Very interesting. So yeah. But look, staying on the theme of um, diseases too, Matt, um, coming this sort of time of year, we start to see and hear reports now of you know late blackleg in canola, for example, um, aerial black well, aerial blackleg in particular, but also sclerotinia, and where people have sprayed and haven't sprayed, um, starting to see the quite significant differences there. They haven't harvested these crops, but you know, often in the south we actually get out of the time when you can actually apply it, and where growers had gone a little bit earlier, they see less sclerotinia plants being affected by it than where they haven't, than where they have sprayed and uh, start telling us, gee, I wish I had sprayed a lot more. But do you sort of see that up in the north? I mean, the the Mm. sclerotinia is very tight up there and happens quite quickly yeah yeah but, no, uh, you're getting happens. reports like that as well sprayed no. and unsprayed
1: yeah and, and it's, it's, it's a tough decision at the time you've you, you've only got a small window opportunity to, to to apply your fungicides at that sclerotinia and aerial blackleg um stage um and yeah, sometimes it might not seem like the the best uh, practice at the time but yeah, you go through with a header later on and and uh regret it so it's just a matter of If you see that your yields are plummeting in a certain spot of the paddock and you suspect it's because it's sclerotinia that's it's pumped up because there's been no fungicide applied, we'll just note it down and learn for next year, I suppose. Yeah, so that is exactly it. The message is, you
0: know, make sure you do have a good look at it this year and weave that into your program for next season and we'll be talking a lot more we'll be talking a lot with advisors about fungicide resistance management and how we can protect the current molecules we have and the newer ones that are coming in from the case of Aviator X-Pro for example and yeah, next year just make sure you make valid choices and really question the system because we don't want to break it.
1: Exactly, Whitey. Yeah. But yeah, things are starting to wrap up around the place in the north. They've started harvest already. I know there's been some deliveries up around Geraldton, Mingenew, even in that quarter. Coming off fairly nicely yields are okay and quality is a bit up and down some guys have got a little bit of screenings um, just because of that tight finish we had I don't know if around unirals in a crop there some really pinched off grain just because they fed it pretty well and the season is cut off at the end of August and really it was only about 12 12 weeks of rainfall they had in the end up there which is a very short season but yields are still good price is good so everyone's pretty happy so yeah things are wrapping up and um, I'm just starting to look at the off season now doing some uh, end of season meetings with uh, some consultancy groups and some. Guys like the Elders and Landmark Agro teams, we're going to be seeing them in the next month or so and having a chat, Um, and then the good old uh, report writing to to summarise all these trials. Oh yeah,
0: fun, fun, mate, fun, fun. Anyway, that's all good. It's what it's all about at the end of the day. So, um, report writing and getting it sorted out so we can give good information going forward but you had some sort of fact or something you wanted to raise with me oh,
1: yeah. I, was, I had to really think about a fact this time but um, I was up in Broome on holidays a couple of weeks back there and yeah just the old good old Broome tides and oh, it's, it's, you always hear about it but it's just phenomenal to see and they get a 10 metre tide um, when they get their king tide 10, 10 metre 10 differential meters. between low tide and high tide which occurs obviously twice a day and it's the second biggest um, tide in in the southern hemisphere Derby's actually got the highest uh, I think the only other place in the world that's got a bigger tide is there's a place in Canada that's uh, got some really massive tides there. But it's just incredible seeing these tides move so quickly and yeah. hearing stories of guys getting their, their their vehicles trapped as they go on out on crabbing or something and uh, underestimating how quickly the, the tide moves and uh, getting trapped. So it's so i it I'm, I'm glad it's not me, but it, as an outsider, it looked pretty funny.
0: Yeah, goodness me, I, I uh, that would freak me out a bit, mate Matt, because I'm one of those swimmers that likes to be able to touch the bottom when I need to. <laughs> so yeah, 10 metres mate,
1: that's a lot. So,
0: um, Matt, what's been going on around the state as you see the harvest come in and all the trial results?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty good. I've been hopping on a few headers over the last few weeks. Uh, obviously in the north of WA they've been going for about you know, five, six weeks now, so they're well and truly into it. Uh, canola's all off, um, people have pretty much done all their barley and they're uh, tracking through their wheat program. Um, been pretty pretty positive across the board, probably a little bit of lost yield potential from that dry spell in September, um, took the cream off it a bit, but yields are still above average. Prices are historically high, although they've come back a little bit, um, but things are pretty good. Uh, talking to a few of the um, a few of the growers there, just wanted to find out what some of the main issues they've been coming across as they've been crawling across their paddocks and their headers is a um, common thing they're all saying is the ryegrass, the level of ryegrass has been very, very high across the state this year just um, with these drier starts and um, that these drier starts have also put um, pressure on some of our pre emergent chemistry, trifluralin in particular. If it's sitting there for four weeks, um, once it's been incorporated, m- until it rains, you're losing uh, up to 50% of your your your, um, your trifluralin even before the, the weeds have germinated. So performance has been back a bit. So guys are seeing very high ryegrass numbers.
0: Yeah, what I've been seeing as well, same. with. Uh, that header eye view let's call it you know bird's eye view or header eye view you can see a lot from the header cab and yeah absolutely up from there people commenting to me that you know uh, while some of the options they chose this year might have cost them a little bit less at the start certainly now they're paying for that because it really let go during that August September period Mm. uh, or challenged by the the knockdown challenge as you said but what's really important is we're just seeing Time and time again, where Sakura is really holding those weeds with that long residual tail.
1: Yeah, certainly. Sort of uh, talking to guys, there's going to be a lot more Sakura going out next year um, on some paddocks. Bear in mind, though, limitations it does have. So certainly in that half wet, half dry scenario next year, we'll be looking to mix with truffle and where we can, and also uh, managing our stubbles uh, leading up to application. Stubble tie-ups particularly bad with products such as trifluralin and prosulfocarb, but Sakura as well generally needs a little bit of rainfall over on, on top of it to wash it off the stubble so yeah. it's going to be something to bear in mind going into next year without decision making now for what's going to on next year.
0: Yeah and look plenty of information available at sakuraherbicide.com.au there's a lot of great how-to and guide, guidance videos on there for some mm, of the some things videos. that can can you know not work so well in different seasons so I mm. urge everyone out there listening, get on to sakuraherbicide.com.au and have a good look for that material. So you'll see a whole range of topics there from, you know, dry sowing, these uh, dry to wet or wet to dry scenarios, all different ones, you know, based Pl- on experience, plotting soils. soils. Absolutely. So don't forget it. sakuraherbicide.com.au.
1: Any other issues you're hearing from growers as you're talking to them whilst they're harvesting, Whitey?
0: Uh, not a lot at the moment. Everything else seemed to be quite good, although getting comments now also with the canola let's say that you know quite challenging in the southern areas where we have a long tail end to the season I suppose and managing sclerotinia that disease where we can spray up to you know with brazzaro or Aviator up to 50% flowering and then with a long tail behind that it's about which product really persists in the in the crop and feedback from those that used Aviator and brazzaro last year is Aviator certainly giving that persistence with that bixafen molecule um, that we released um, last season, mm-hmm. and uh, really important for people to have a look at that and make sure they get the latest information about Aviator Expo and canola.
1: Certainly, and uh, one thing to also bear in mind is there's been a fair bit of uh, discussion around aerial blackleg um, this year as well. And mm-hmm. when you get aerial blackleg in the mix alongside Speritinia that's when you're seeing you know, big advantages of products like Aviator over those such as prosimidone and and, and roveral, where um, which are definitely significantly yep. weaker on on blackleg. Yep, that's right. Yeah, apart from that and the the, the frost that's hit us over the the spring and a few uh, lightning strikes that have caused a little bit of uh, a few few fires fires around the place and hail. Yeah, it's been a little bits and pieces keeping people on their toes. But yeah, it's been, uh, apart from that, guys are generally pretty happy.
0: Yeah, so a bit of seed trading going on now with Evergold Energy and other things. So what are you seeing so far with Evergold Energy?
1: Yeah, well, we had a couple, most of our trials have um, been harvested uh, up in the north. So we've been seeing some good data coming in there. I know there was one in particular in, in Minganue, which was at our MIG site uh, looking at crown rot. There's been some significant yield responses between the treatments and, and that's led from that advantage of having a seed treatment which has helped the crop establish early on. Obviously mm. with Fusarium, you get that damping off early on and seedling mortality. Uh, being able to protect it with the seed treatment has certainly seen better plant establishment of that trial and it has translated to big yield differentials. So uh, we'll be presenting that uh, early in the new year um, to some groups. And um, yeah, certainly it was a, a fantastic trial. And, and the same goes with uh, all of other Rhizectonia and, and loose mutt trials. Now, mutt is certainly one that uh, a lot of guys are talking up with all the high marsh derived varieties out there such as uh, Latrobe and Spartacus, um, has meant that, yeah, there, there's certainly a, a requirement. So it'd be essential to get a, a seed treatment on them to control your loose smut. And um, yeah, Evergol Energy is the best option out there. Um, it's been shown by us and independent uh, bodies that are, yeah, top, the top level of control by your Evergoal Energy. So, we're, so guys, some guys like to put it on their seed uh, off the header and into the silo. And so we're seeing a bit of that going on now. Um, generally would say go with about four to six litres uh, per tonne slurry. Total, to get the total, best total volume. Total volume. So, to that's, um, so that's um, yeah, 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 your, your energy Plus your water uh, at four to six litres uh, per tonne and that seems to get the best level of coverage.
0: Yep. And that would include your insecticides and other things may be doing it uh, as well, as well, Matt. Mm, yeah, definitely. The gaucho for example, mm. for insect protection in the silo and uh, early next season. Yeah, well down south, we're just, you know, still waiting to get harvest results in from the evergold energy work and the root disease trials and you yeah, know expecting some good results from that and again we'll be communicating that with advisors next season mm, yeah so as always you can get in touch with matt or i uh, on twitter what's your twitter handle matt at matt willis ag and mine is at photo by cw at photo by cw and we'd love to communicate with you on twitter or get in touch with us through any other means that you can. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, we just want to now wish everyone a happy holidays and safe end to the, the harvest and hopefully mm. can have a bit of rest and, yeah, uh, think about next season and what's going to happen. And we'll be back in 2019, Matt, with more Bayer CropCast.
1: Certainly. Looking forward to it, Whitey.
0: Thanks very much. See you later. See you all. Thanks for joining us on Bayer CropCast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone one 800 804 479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au Thanks for listening.